Hi, this is Tia Sirkar, and you are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... I mean, as much as I love Star Wars, I don't necessarily always see myself in Star Wars. There aren't a lot of book lovers in Star Wars that we know of. A lot of people don't have time to read books because they're being chased by the Empire or whatever. (laughs) But there are not a lot of nerds, which I think is one of the reasons why R2-D2 is so popular, because he's the nerdiest member of, of Star Wars. Here's your host, Jamie Green. Welcome to another episode of The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com. You can find us on all the socials at The GBB Podcast. You can find us everywhere that you find podcasts to download. I am your host, Jamie Green. You can find me at The Roarbots. And joining me this week is a very special guest, first-time co-host. Hello, Meg. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I guess we should start off, um, you just tell the good people who you are in case somebody out there listening doesn't know. Sure. So I do some other podcasts. This is not my first, po- first podcast. Um, if you care about Star Wars, you can find me at Rogue Podron, which used to be a Star Wars book club, but now we've transitioned into a Star Wars whatever club. And <laughs> that you can find at RoguePodron.com or on Twitter at RoguePodron. Um, if you're interested in uh, Legend of Korra or Avatar The Last Airbender, I was also on a podcast for that called The Avatar State. Um, and again, you can find that at avatarstate.com or on Twitter at Avatar State. And let's see. Oh, there's so many things. Uh, I just started a Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast. What? Um, yeah. We've had one episode out. It's called Kind, Sober, and Fully Dressed. And nice. <laughs> you can find that um, on Twitter right now at um, KSFD Podcast. Um And like I said, we've had one episode out right now. And you can find all of those shows on iTunes, and then pretty much anywhere else you find podcasts <laughs> these days, um, SoundCloud, whatever, uh, whatever you hop on to. If you're interested in just some weird Meg ramblings, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter at T-S-P-O-F-N-U-T-M-E-G, Tisp of Nutmeg, um, and I'm there to talk about anime, Star Wars, whatever pops up. And I, I will say that um, hitting the the follow button on on your Twitter account is one of the happiest things that I've ever done because it's like whenever I see you cross through my feed, it's like it's like world is awful, world is awful, world is, world is awful. Oh hey, bright bright shiny beacon of loveliness. Yes, yes, <laughs> I I try very hard to think about the things that make me happy and that I'm excited about. Um, and whatever that happens to be at the time, like I've recently been obsessing over dragon prince. Um, so like there's been a lot of tweets about that lately. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So everybody out there, go hit follow, go download any one of the 1400 different podcasts (laughs) that, that, that you're on. Um, but we are here today to talk about Tom Engelberger. So this was exciting. This was actually, I have to say he is the, he was the first person to return to this show to, that we had on twice. And now he's the first person to make the three-peat. He's, he's the first person we've had on the show three times. But I feel like it's okay because it's been a long time since we had him on. <laughs> um, and I, I do have to thank you for this because the reason we had him back on now, or, or whenever we talked to him, which was a while ago now, quite honestly, um, was because you on Twitter were just like, why is nobody talking about this Chewbacca book that Tom yes. wrote? Like, yes. I, I need to talk about this book. Who can help me talk about this book? And I saw that and I was like, well, I, I know a guy. You know, like, <laughs> why don't we why don't we just talk to Tom about it? <laughs> he would probably be the best person to he, talk to. <laughs> it would make sense, right? Yeah, but that absolutely. Chewbacca book that Chewbacca book was like 
came out of nowhere and was so much fun. I really loved it. I um, I didn't really know what to expect picking it up, yeah. but it's definitely one of my one of my favorite Star Wars books now. Yeah, like ever. Yeah, I think ever. It's definitely in like the top ten of ever, but like definitely within the new canon, I would say like it's really high up there. It's just so much fun, and I really love the characters and how he writes them. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a great book. Yeah. Now, have you read any other books by him? I ha- I have read the Origami Yoda series. Okay. Yeah. So you are you are familiar at least with his style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I was probably introduced to him also through Origami Yoda. My kids, my daughter especially, um, was obsessed with them for a while and listened to the audiobook versions of all of them, like again and again and again and again, <laughs> um, and that led her to read uh, a lot of. His other books, uh, Fake Mustache was a book that he wrote, which is hilarious. It's about this kid who goes to like, um, kind of like like a, an old old timey five and dime type store mm-hmm. and buys a fake mustache, um, and basically proceeds to take over the world because he puts on <laughs> this he puts on this fake mustache and everybody. Um, just assumes he's like this debonair gentleman and like he knows what he's talking about, even though he's like a 12 year old kid. And his friend who is like the narrator of the book was like, can't everybody just see he's wearing a fake mustache. I don't understand. (laughs) And he turns into like this villain. It's hilarious. It's such a good book. It's so cute. Um, But he's written, he's written a lot of books and he wrote the, uh, when they did a while back, when they did the, uh, young adult adaptations of the original trilogy, he wrote the one for Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is fun because, again, it's not it's not like his typical tongue-in-cheek, really witty humor style, but it is written in a style that we don't often get Star Wars books in. Like, it's mm. in that, like, dear reader style where it's like the narrator is kind of, like, talking to you as the as the reader with sort of like a wink and a nod. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, just, it's just a lot of fun. All three of those books were a lot of fun. Um, and again, just like this Chewbacca book, I don't think that they got enough credit that they deserve. Yeah, I think definitely, like, the like these like middle grade books are definitely flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you don't see them like being really like publicized on like Twitter or anything like that, which is how I normally find out about like what new star Wars books are coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really see anything about this book until like someone else had gotten a copy and read it. And yeah. it was just kind of luck that I was able to get a hold of a copy to read. So, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the quote unquote adult novels and then the young adult novels are getting so much attention because, well, because of the authors that are behind it, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And the books have been great, but you're right. These, this like one step down in terms of age, uh, intended age, reader age from the young adult books are these middle grade books. And yeah, I feel like so many of these are coming out are great, but are just going completely unnoticed or criminally under undervalued, I think. And this is one of them. So we wanted to get it out there and say, hey, guys, pick up this Chewbacca book because it is so much fun. I mean, it's a book about Chewbacca. And he's like, he roars through the entire thing. And like, <laughs> there's there's no translation. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. I just really enjoyed this book. And I wanted, that's what I was yelling about on Twitter, because I want like everybody to know that this is a good book. If you haven't read it, you should read it. And if you're not going to read it, then let me just sit you down and tell you everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's I mean, and Tom is such a nice guy. Like he's so he's so down to earth. And he's so much fun to talk to. And he's just it's so obvious that he just loves Star Wars and it's just mm-hmm. he can just he can just talk forever about it and it's it's such a great time to just sit down and talk to him because the 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 love that he has for the con- for the for the for the world for the universe and the love that he had for this book and he felt the same way that we did is like why weren't more people talking about it I had so much fun <laughs> writing it like this is such a good book <laughs> but you this was the first time that you you got to talk with him right how did, what did yes. you think I thought it was great it was really easy 
to talk to um to talk to him and i've i've done a few other interviews with authors and i had a good time doing all of them but it definitely felt like this was like the most casual time yeah. i had <laughs> Where, like, i wasn't worried about like okay like let me think of what's how am i going to segue into my next question how am i going to yeah. do this right this was just a good chat with your friend yeah. it was really great yeah no it really was yeah he is i He's he's a good guy, and there's a reason he's been back on the show three times. Um, but anybody, please, if you have not picked up the book, uh, it's the Mighty Chewbacca and the Forest of Fear. It is. I don't know. I mean, that putting it up there, top ten of all time, like that's that's saying something. Yeah. Um. To let me make a full disclosure, I have not read anything in the prequel era or before. Okay. Um, I am. I am purely a. From the time of New Hope and forward, okay. Person. But I have read like almost everything, so it's just a great yeah. book. It's it's a nice, heartwarming adventure, and yeah. I love seeing those characters that we don't get a lot of. And so for me, having Chewie be the main character, like versus like when it's Han and Chewie, it's still usually more Han. Sure. But like actually having Chewie shine as a character was really great and just something that I didn't realize I really, really wanted. But mm-hmm. once, you, once I read it, I was like, yes, this is perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good book. Mighty Chewbacca and the Force of Fear. People, please don't miss out on this anymore because it's such a fun book. You don't even need to really be a Star Wars fan to, to enjoy this mm-hmm. book. I think it's just a good story. You know, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, spoiler, it doesn't really connect to the Star Wars universe that much like you don't need to have a whole bunch of backstory you don't need to understand really even who these characters are um i mean han is in it the briefest of moments but our other main characters are not any of the main characters aside from chewbacca so you know it's um and it's it's it has no wider ramifications on the movies or comics or anything it's just a fun story set on this dangerous world that where everything wants to eat you yeah who, yeah. who wouldn't love that? Exactly. Who wouldn't <laughs> love that? Um, all right. We're going to stop rambling. We're going to get into our conversation with Tom because that's why you're here. And he is, as we've said numerous times already, he is a great guy. It's a great conversation. If you've listened to our two previous episodes with him, you know what you're in for. But this one has the added benefit of having Meg. Um, so please do come back. Hit subscribe if you don't already subscribe. We'd love to see you. We have so much great stuff coming up next week, week after that, and in, in, into the future. I am Jamie Green. You can find me at The Roarbots. You can find the show at The GBB Podcast. And you can find Meg at T-S-P-O-F-N-U-T-M-E-G. So Teaspoon of Nutmeg on Twitter. And everything else you can find from there. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We will see. Here's our conversation with Tom, and we will see you next week. Take care. With Star Wars, I never know the answer to this question, so I have to keep asking, but how did it come about? Like, was this story pitched to you, or were you asked to write a young reader book with no plot, or, or how did it come about? Well, uh, it actually starts with tragedy. Oh, no. You know, um, from the ashes rises a new hope. Um, my Rockin' and Groot series, they we had two books, and mm-hmm. there was a planned third book. And I was actually deep, deep into writing the third book. And honestly, it was going to be magnificent. <laughs> I mean, it was going to be magnificent. And... Um, they were like, uh, we're not so sure about another oh, one. Oh, no. And part of it was probably that my first two, I don't know that they had been blockbusters. And also there there wasn't another rock. Uh, there wasn't another Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out right away. Mm-hmm. So they were like, maybe you'd rather write a book about Chewbacca instead. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, so, of course, I was like, this is this is awesome. I would obviously I'd love to write a book about Chewbacca. Yeah. And, and Han Solo. And they were like, well, maybe not Han Solo. <laughs> they were like, we want you to get send Chewbacca on his own adventure. Han Solo can be there at the beginning and the end. We want Chewbacca to, to have his own adventure. And so that's how it started. I was like, absolutely. Can't wait. So you, you cut your teeth by writing for a giant tree. And they said, well, you know what? If he can write for a tree, he can write <laughs> a Wookiee. 
You know, it's funny because Groot is easy to write his dialogue. Yeah. Chewbacca, it was really hard to write his dialogue. You know? Well, okay. I wanted to ask about that. So how did you approach that? Like, okay, ignorance. Revealing my ignorance. Is there actually a Shiriwook, like, dictionary that you could draw from? Well, I thought there would be. Yeah. But there was not. Okay. So I was sort of on my own. And so I would, I mean, this is embarrassing, but I would try to beat Chewbacca in that moment. (laughs) And I would be like, okay, Chewbacca just ate something that tasted suspiciously strange. What would Chewbacca say? He'd go like, and then I would make a Chewbacca noise in the privacy (laughs) of my own home, not on a podcast. Um, I would make a Chewbacca noise and then I would write down those letters and that would be it. So did you keep like a guide for yourself? Like, did you create your own dictionary or was it just every time he said something, it was different and it didn't right. really like, matter? I really, there were a, a very few words that he repeated throughout the book, like trees mm-hmm. um, was the big one. I mean, I knew he was going to be talking about trees a lot. Um, so I honestly, at the moment, I do not remember what his yeah. word, what the word for tree is, but there was a word for tree. And if you go through and you look, if you were to look at it, you would see there were some places where that that should hopefully match up. Yeah. Um, you you made it hard for those of us who read books aloud to kids. I got to tell you, I, <laughs> I could do Chewie's roar like once, twice, maybe three times, but like three times every page. Come on now. Oh, that's why I gave you all the letters to work with, so you would know what how to say it. Oh, it's not a difficulty of saying it. It's that it's, it, my throat starts to hurt after a while because I, I, I don't do anything halfway, you know, so I got to make it sound like Chewy. I can't just go roar, roar. You know, it's got to sound like him. Well, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I had to, you know, I had to let Chewy be Chewy. Yeah. So that's you, a crazy thing. I mean, once you start writing a book about Chewbacca he's going to do what he's going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can't be like, oh, the other characters are in danger. Chewbacca is going to, you know, walk away. That's just <laughs> never going to happen. You know Chewbacca's <laughs> going to run in there. Yeah. He's not going to sneak in there. He's going to come roaring in. He's a great character. He's really fun to write. I mean, really fun. Yeah, I was I was actually really glad that Han wasn't in it that much, not because I don't love Han Solo, but because he does tend to take the focus away from Chewbacca. And he has so many good moments, but not enough screen time, I think. And so this was a really great highlight of everything about Chewie and the the kind of Wookiee he is. And you can tell why, like, yeah, Han needs him. He yeah. definitely needs him around. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How much of a challenge was it, though? I mean, just narratively. I mean, you you wrote Groot, like you said. That was a little bit difficult. You've written a talking origami puppet. But, I mean, with a character like Chewie, who never really is given words... You know, we, we see his 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 motivation. We see his emotion on the face when he's in a, in a movie. But, like, on the page is totally different. Like, how how challenging was that for you to write? I have to say, I mean, really, it was not a challenge. It was, I mean, you know, the challenge often is, oh, well, how did you make sure they've got a flashlight when they get to the, when they get to the tunnel? Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. Knowing what Chewbacca's going to say or do that, that's the easy part. (laughs) Yeah. Toward, toward the end there, um, I think it was when they were going through the trees or, or I can't remember the exact scene, but you actually come out and say that you're like, you know, if this were any other character, you know, he'd still be standing there thinking. If this were, you know, if, if this were Bosk, he would just be standing there thinking, what's in it for me, but not with Chewie. Right. Chewie's just going to swing right in there and do what needs to be done. And it, yeah, I mean, that, it, that's his character. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's why he's, I mean, he was just so much fun to write. It was just a ball. And I just, it was a dream to, what happened was, you know, I mean, they're they're letting you write a story, but then that story has to fit into the big story. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so I was like, what would be cooler than to have than to have Chewie go in there with K2? Yeah. That would be so awesome. So K2 and, was your idea to bring in then? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, what happened was when I said, oh, I want Chewie and K2 to team up, they said, no, no. <laughs> Chewie, can't, 
they, they can't team up. And then I, but then I further explained, well, it's not exactly a team up, you know, K2 is working on his own agenda, you know, I mean, Chewbacca doesn't have agenda. Chewbacca's agenda is to help everybody. But K2, he's not exactly there on a uh, mercy mission or out of chair, <laughs> you know. And so I had to explain that. And once I got that all explained, they were like, oh, yeah, that works. Um, so when when they came to you and they said, here, how about you write Chewbacca? They didn't have a time frame in mind, like where it was going to fit in the overall story? Oh, yeah. No, they did. It was the idea like after Solo, but before New Hope. OK, OK. Sort of in that whole, you know, um, Han, Solo, Han Solo at um, Star's End. Mm-hmm. That to me, it was just like write one of the write another one of those um, where Han is uh, out of commission for most of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that you kept cashin sort of as like this is he really a good guy like do we, are we supposed to root for him i'm not quite oh, yeah, he sure was totally gonna shoot him. It totally was <laughs> no problem no question things would have been so different um i i, I want to ask because you casually dropped a line in there about force sensitive wookies and I, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Star Wars, and I never quite thought about that before. Even though, in retrospect, he was a there was a force sensitive Wookiee that was a major character of an entire series of books, the Young Jedi Knights. Um, but pretty much all I want right now is for you to write a book about a kick ass Wookiee Jedi. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would well, be so awesome. I mean, I would love to write that book because it's his name is Gunji. Yeah, yeah. remember? Yeah, you He's remember? From you know yeah, Gunj- have, Gunji was in the Clone Wars. If they called yeah. on the phone and they said, write the Gunji book, I'd be like, it's half written already. Like, <laughs> totally. I I loved him. And, you know, right now we don't know what his fate was, but there's a good chance it was bad. Yeah. I would like to write the well, book where his fate know. turns out to be good. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't know if let me do that. What was that, man? He's such an amazing lightsaber too, because like he he did it out of like one of the tree, um, like barks from Kashyyyk, and so yes, all proud, one hundred percent, like definitely get Gunji back yeah, into I canon. Tried to, I tried to mention Gunji in this book, and they were like, "Well, I'm I'm not sure that Chewbacca and Gunji have met." You know, <laughs> but it's amazing the stuff that they've thought through. The yeah. the story group and the people at Lucas books lucasfilm books the stuff they have thought through is mind-blowing yeah and uh and so you know you've you've you 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 can come up with an idea and they're and they'll know whether that idea works or not it's really it's 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 a fascinating experience to get to to work with the story group they're really truly amazing so you realize though that they've probably used this book as the basis for a shiri Wook dictionary so congratulations <laughs> i wish i wish they would i don't know <laughs> well it's gotta it's gotta match you know somebody else is gonna write chewy down the line and they're gonna have to know how to say tree and they're gonna use your word maybe so yeah i actually found out that i'm the person who named remember in return of the jedi mm-hmm. when chewy goes up to the the Ewok trap because there's a piece of like decaying meat right, on it. Right. Mm-hmm. I named that. That's me. The, the trap or the meat? <laughs> yes, I just found out about it recently because uh, I think uh, Holocron Keeper tweeted something about what that was called and who gave it that name. And it was me. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> was, was it from the, the Jedi novelization? Yes. Nice. Yes. And that never it never had a name before then. That's amazing. No, no. And now we know what that animal was that the Ewoks were using to bait their trap. Clearly tasty to Wookiees. I wish I could tell you what it was, but <laughs> it's something like a, a, in fact, it's like a Verkel. I don't know how the Ewoks would pronounce it, but I believe it's a Verkel. A Verkel. Okay. Um, but it's just to me, it's amazing that the holocron keeper Leland, yeah. sort of filed that piece of information yeah. away. And that's what I'm saying. He took your your Shriwook, and he's got it written down in the holocron somewhere. So the next writer who tackles Chewie can use it. That would make me very proud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I almost never do this uh, on the show. I'm going to read a passage from the book because I have a question about one single word here. Ooh, interesting. Okay, you ready? 
<clears throat> this is when they were uh, talking about all the glorbs. Despite all the variations of bugs, tiny, small, big, monstrous, furry, beaked, long-legged, short-legged, no-legged, winged, greebled, and so on, there was an essential glorbness to all of them. <laughs> Let's talk about greebled. Because um, I had no idea. I've never heard that word before. And I was like, is that a real word? Or did he make it Have you it looked up? it up? I looked it up. And it's an ILM word about model making. Isn't right. that a great word? It's, an, it's word. an amazing I love, word. So, I love both the word and the thing. So it's a thing, and for, I guess, do you want to explain what it is, or do you want me to? <laughs> okay, well, greebling is all that stuff that's on the side of the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. that makes it look like a real spaceship. And it's all, it's that stuff on the robots and silent running that make them look like real robots. And it's the stuff you put on, even like a model of a concrete truck. The more little doodads and pipes that are sticking out, the more it looks like a real concrete truck. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I mean, I was instantly drawn to, you know, the models or the toys that have all the little details, you know. And um, the opposite of that would be, you know, this a stylized, you know, toy that doesn't have any very that's very anonymous looking Mm-hmm. And the far end of that is something that's really heavily greebled. Yeah, I, possibly I, the most greebled thing ever is the um, is Red Dwarf from the show Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf, yeah. Yeah, I mean that is the most greebling. <laughs> I mean they were obviously just piling greebles on top of greebles. Yeah. The uh, the Borg cube, I think, is also fairly greebled. Mm. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but this leads me to my question. How can a bug be greebled? Sketch it out for me. Let me see it. <laughs> well, if a giraffe can be reticulated, okay. even though the giraffe doesn't know what reticulated means, <laughs> <laughs> I think a, I think that a, a bug could hmm. be um, greebled. Greebled. Okay. All right. I love the word. It, it, it literally stopped me in my tracks. I was like, greebled? never heard that before and i had to go look it up and i was fascinated to find out like how had i never heard this word before but now i'm totally going to use it all the time oh good oh yeah to me i mean greebling and star wars just go together Mm -hmm. that's what i mean that's like when you when you're at uh, jared comic-con or a celebration and you're walking around and you see you see some anonymous stormtrooper walk by you're like oh that's nice Mm -hmm. and then you see the next guy is a greebled stormtrooper and you know he's all filthy and he's he's got like blaster marks on him or he's got some special attachment and you're like wow man you know what i'm talking about i hear you and to me they they totally go together and the odd thing is that in many cases my origami has no greebling right you know origami yoda Compared to actual Yoda, is very ungreebling. <laughs> but every wrinkle you put in that paper is a little bit of greebling. A little bit of greebling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, I love it. It's and it's so evocative that word. Just you just say it, and you're like, ooh, that means something. You know, it's like a, it feels greebled. The word feels greebled. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned Rocket and Groot. We talked about that. So many of your books, Rocket and Groot, especially Chewbacca, to a certain extent, they have very unique typesetting. You know, like Chewbacca's words are all set differently. Rocket's words are are set differently. Groot's words are. How involved are you in page production on books that are like that, that have this unique page layout? I'm really usually not that involved. Mm -hmm. I'm usually more like a cheerleader on the side being like, that's awesome. I'd love it if it was bigger, maybe, or something <laughs> like that. But ge- in general, no. It's um, it's something every publisher I've worked with has com- been totally ready to do or even suggested doing it themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my very first book um, that got published was the Quick Pick Papers. Mm-hmm. And that had um, type typeset with handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. And the concept there was that the, the typesetting was for everybody to read, but the handwritten notes, that was the secret stuff that the character was sort of writing for himself, not for everybody to read. And so I've been like in that zone my, my whole time. I, and the Origami Yoda, there's all these yep. different handwriting fonts and all that stuff. 
Um, and the simple answer is what's more boring than a block of gray text, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, I just think, you know, especially, you know, you're, you're like a second grader and you're trying to read a book that's maybe a, a year or two ahead of you. And you open it up and it's just like gray text. Yeah. You're like, oh, but man, if there's some Chewbacca roaring or Groot talking in like tree branches. Or if it feels uh, like there's a note in there that somebody scribbled on and it feels like it feels like a secret you're sharing, you know, yeah. like, whoa, somebody wrote in this book. I love books like that. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you. I think in some way Geronimo Stilton might be the mm. champion of that. I mean, Geronimo's books are just all loaded up with crazy business. Yeah, yeah. Um, this book, Chewy, the Chewy book, is also illustrated. I, I guess you could say it's illustrated. There's what like five or six um, pieces in there, but man, why didn't we get more? That art was amazing. Isn't it amazing? Oh my gosh! Please tell me you and Andy Tong, who's who did the art. But please tell me you guys like make a make a, a graphic novel adaptation like totally illustrated like that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Oh man, that was. I just. I would love. I would love if he could heavily illustrate the book. You know. Yeah. Um, a picture on every other page. I mean, I would. Lo- I would absolutely love that. He is amazing. Now, did you work much with him at all? No, yeah. I just—I don't know where. It's like he was in my head. It's like he, you know, it's like I gave him the pictures from my head and he drew them, but better. Yeah, I mean, he really knocked it out of the park. It's so weird when something has only existed in your head, and you type it up, and then an illustrator is able to draw it. Yeah, because I'm not—I, you know, I'm not that great of a writer. Somebody <laughs> has to. Somebody has to, I mean, especially with description, I'm not, I, I'm, I might brag on some things, but I would never brag that I'm good at writing description. Mm. But yet Andy seemed to understand the world I was trying to build. That's amazing. And you guys didn't have really any correspondence. They just... Almost, almost nothing. And wow. I've never met him. You know, he lives in Singapore. We've never met. Uh, if we ever do, I'm, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to fanboy on him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I've never seen loth cats look so just descriptive before. <laughs> they were so amazing. They, they were, were so, so cute. <laughs> and like all in just a big group. Like sorry, Dave Filoni, but like this is really what loth cats are about right here. <laughs> well, now remember these weren't loth cats. They're uh, uh, the tuka cats. cats. Tuka cats. Yeah. Like a cousin species, a yeah. similar species to loth cats, but not a but not loth cats. And I tell you that because when I, you know, was sketching out what I wanted, I said, well, I want loth cats. Yeah. And they said, uh, you can't have loth cats. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit geek geeky on me on you um this this was really important to me too i yelled about it (laughs) yeah um in a good way yeah meg knows where i'm going with this so the last time you were on the show you it was when you were together with alex bracken and adam gidwitz and we were talking about the trio of new novelizations and i remember in her novelization of a new hope alex had subtly dropped mala back into canon and I, I was like kind of freaking out about it i was like oh my god chewy's wife is back in canon and she had mentioned like she was surprised that there was no pushback almost no pushback at lucasfilm to to her mentioning that character you brought lumpy back <laughs> i gotta tell you i wish i could say that i brought lumpy oh back. no what happened Somebody else, somebody beat me to it. He he was uh he was already recanoned. <gasps> Where? Yeah. So there was absolutely no no question when I, you know, mentioned Lumpy, there was no question about it. In fact, somebody else came up with calling him Lumpawaru. I cannot I wish I could take credit. You don't know that's where not, I don't I I, I had not seen him before yeah. in the new canon until this book. Right, because I had yelled, I think that was like in the midst of me reading this book, I had in all caps on Twitter said, I can't believe they brought Lumpy back in canon. <laughs> oh, I, I just, just wish like, I could take credit. I'm the sorry. Best thing. <laughs> well, thank you for continuing his presence and giving him yeah. a more major role. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Would I have suggested Lumpy? I don't know. But I he was already back and it was just, you know, right there for me to, I mean, 
that's the thing is, if you're going to get in, try to get into the characters' heads at all, mm-hmm. I mean, that's of course Lumpy's on his mind. Yeah, of course, you know. Yeah, of course he's going to be thinking about his son. Life. Yeah. But now that we've got Mala and Lumpy back, I mean, it's only a matter of time before we get pervy old itchy, right? I don't think we are. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I could totally see somebody somebody doing that, but I don't right. think that'll be me. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think about who would be best to write that now, the itchy, the itchy story. Well, no. <laughs> I think Chuck Wendig could do it. <laughs> I wish I, wish I could tell you right now who brought him back and where. I just I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, because I I, I had not, not seen my him. database at the moment. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, I guess kind of like Lumpy. I'm sure this is why he was thinking about Lumpy. But I really fell in love with Maeve. Um, oh, thank you. I'm glad. I, to hear that. I love I loved her instantly and so much, and she only got better throughout the book, and so. Like, how did you go about creating, like, her history and her personality um, and, like, her just really rich backstory about her parents and her world? And um, I especially liked the head triangles that she had. I think a part of it is, I mean, as much as I love Star Wars, I don't necessarily always see myself in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of book lovers in Star Wars that we know of, necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean... A lot of people don't have time to read books because they're being chased by the Empire or whatever. <laughs> but there are not a lot of nerds, which I think is one of the reasons why R2-D2 is so popular, because he's the nerdiest member of the, of the, of Star Wars, you know? <laughs> so I wanted to have a nerdy character, a little bit nerdy character who, you know, had read a lot of books, a lot of her... I mean, Han Solo, his knowledge comes from having flown around the galaxy 50 times. Maeve's knowledge came from growing up around books and having read all kinds of stuff. And so I just wanted to have somebody more like my, a little more like myself. But of course, then she ends up being brave and almost fearless and, and, you know, so she didn't end up being like me at all. (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I, if I was, if we were in the galaxy far, far away, I would not be one of the heroes everybody would be celebrating. I would be, you know, at best trying to, you know, maybe writing for a, a newspaper or something, you know. <laughs> but I, I'm not, I'm not going to be out there swinging a lightsaber. That's very unlikely. Um, so I wanted a character a little bit more like me, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that because. Um, especially looking at her illustrations um, by Andy Tong. Like, I see myself and Maeve as well as just being a woman and, like, a brown, dark-skinned woman. And also, like, I I really liked her triangles because I also have, like, totems and trinkets that I hold on to or I bring with me when I want to feel a certain way or when I know I'm going into a difficult situation. And to see her, like, try to talk herself up was really important because, like, not everyone is automatically brave. (laughs) She has to convince herself that she is and she can. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I am so happy to hear you say that. I am just, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. I don't know that that anybody else has really responded to that part of the book yet. And I'm, I'm just so happy that it, that it meant something to you. Yeah. The, the book doesn't seem to finish her story, though. I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. Like, it feels like there's a whole second act to her story that we haven't seen. Are we going to see her again in some form? I... I really do not know. To me, you know, she's going to go back with this to her home planet with this book. And that would be like the start of rebellion on that mm-hmm. planet. Not, you know, she's not going to bring the book back and the stormtroopers will just walk away. Right. At best, having this book is like the symbol of a rebellion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in many ways, this is the prequel to Maeve's big story. Right. So that sounds like the perfect graphic novel project for yes. you. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's awesome. And by, by the way, if you're interested, Maeve was named after 
Or maybe I shouldn't tell you. Do, are you, do you like to know the backstory about yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite authors is Mervyn Peake. He's a British author. And his wife was a painter named Maeve Gilmore. And uh, now uh, both of them are deceased. But in the last few years, I got into contact with um, one of their grandchildren who has been posting Maeve's artwork on the internet and uh, just started thinking about her and what an amazing woman she was um, and just thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to name a Star Wars character after her? And so that's where Maeve gets her name. It's uh, on earth. Maeve is M A E V E, I think, mm -hmm. but uh, I gave it a little Star Wars touch yeah, that's and, Star Wars and we got Maeve. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That is amazing. That's the one. It works. She's a painter. That's one of the things I love about, you know, I've talked to a number of Star Wars authors and the freedom that story group gives them to name the characters. Um, I know like Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, when they were doing their graphic novels, they just named every character after one of their friends. And they just Star Warsified the, spe the spelling. Um, I, I love to hear stories. I love that they have that ability to just sort of be like, yeah, you can name them whatever you want, just as long as it's not like, you know, George's Lucas's or something, you know, like something <laughs> obvious. <laughs> but I, I, I love hearing that they're totally down with that. They are amazing. They, um, I think, I think they realize that the Star Wars galaxy is a big place, and there's going to be lots of crazy stuff. And so there's, they're never like, oh no, there would never be somebody with that name, or oh, there would never be a planet that's nothing but mushrooms, <laughs> or oh no, this would never. Happen. They never say. Yeah. Anything like that. It's it's really awesome to work with them. Yeah. I, I have I did my research and it was ironic that I said Chuck Wendig should write the itchy story because he is actually the one who brought Lumpy back. Is he really? Oh really? <laughs> yeah, Lumpy that does not surprise me. No, Lumpy showed up in Empire's End and then I think uh or if if Wikipedia is to be believed, he uh he was in Empire's End and then he was mentioned in Life Debt. So so there you go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> um i i wanted to i guess for a few minutes move on from chewy meg did you have anything else you wanted to talk about chewbacca um i think i think i appropriately fangirled about all my things yeah so. <laughs> okay um oh, meg you're so nice i'm so glad that you got something out of that book i really absolutely am. i and you know, I think one one of the great things about Star Wars and like Star Wars books as a whole is that it doesn't really matter like what the reading level is supposed to be. They're all have been like really important and really meaningful stories. Um, so I hope that like more people start to read this book and like don't overlook it. And um, because it was like it is one of my favorite like new canon books for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm actually uh, working on a piece right now for StarWars.com about like 10 of the best all ages, like kids books that have come mm -hmm. out within the last few months. And obviously this is on the list. But one of the things is I'm looking back through those books is that it really doesn't matter who the intended audience is. Like the storytelling is top notch on absolutely everything they put out. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's supposed to be like a middle grade chapter book or if it's a, um, you know, like, my God, one of the best Star Wars books I read last year was, um, um, uh, Darth, well, God, what's Adam, Adam Rex's book? The Don't Be Scared, Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved that book. It, it made me see it made me see Darth Vader in like this whole new light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, anyway, talk to me about Nellie Nutgraff. Um, oh, have you have you checked out Nelly? I haven't because it's the subscription exclusive. So tell me why it's you've gone that route. Well, it's it in some ways it's an experiment, and so far it has been an insanely successful experiment, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea here is, what if you could write a book, and every school library in the country could have that book for free? That, to me, is like, that's incredible. Right. And that's the deal that, you know, that's that's the deal with Epic. I I gave them this book and they made it beautiful by hiring an incredible illustrator. 
and um, and they even got uh, you know turned it into an audio book, and now any school in the country can any kid in the school can listen to it for free, and of course Epic is uh, Epic is an app that the that to use at home you pay a fee for, mm-hmm. just like like Netflix or something, but and you know and and that's that's cool and that's that's i hope kids are reading my book at home too but man the, the idea that every school could just have this book for free that's crazy that's awesome yeah are you able to see like on the back end are you able to see like how many times it's viewed or downloaded or however i mean you say it's a, an insane success so i have to imagine i that... know i i'm not i'm actually not i don't have any numbers that i could tell you no but no, no, no. i yeah. heard some numbers and i flipped my lid really oh my gosh I was just like, I cannot believe this. This is fantastic. That's amazing. And you've got, you've got a couple more coming now, right? Yes. There's, there's three of them in all. And uh, the next one comes out later this month. That's another part of what's great about this digital thing is you finish the book. And next thing you know, kids are reading the book. There's not this, you know, years of lag time and delay. It's this really incredible like I have an idea and kids are reading it before I know it. It's just, yeah. it's really neat. Yeah. So, and kids, especially like I, I worked in a middle school most recently and if they find a book series, they want and authors that they like, they want the next one like immediately and they will scream about it until they get it. So, <laughs> like it's a great service for, for the kids so much. Yeah. So is it's, it does not have a, a physical release, right? Not, not at the moment. Someday I would like that because, you know, that is a different a different thing. And kids come – a different set of kids would find the book that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it doesn't have that right now. It's, it's like um, online only. That's amazing. Well, I, it's great to hear that it's been a success because – you know, I, 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 I enjoy and it's a relief to hear stories about how these quote unquote experiments in publishing are paying off, you know, and it's great to hear that something like that is able to make a difference because I guess quite honestly, I wouldn't have thought that it would have had as great a reach. And so it's been, I'm so happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, I was, um, I just, I got to tell you, it's. It's weird because I love bookstores and independent booksellers and I love having books on my own shelf and all of that. And I don't want to not write books for those people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this opportunity just it was too good to pass up. Yeah. Well, it's not like you're not exactly prolific in other senses. You've got plenty of books. <laughs> That's true. Those people need to get to the independent bookstore and buy my other. That's right. You, yes. you, you've served us well, those of us who, who buy books and go to the bookstores. <laughs> but you, so let's talk about that. Because I went, you teased a few big changes coming um, on your website a couple weeks ago. And I cannot believe that next year, not 2019, but 2020, is the 10th anniversary of Origami Yoda, Origami Yoda, which kind of blows my mind. Yes, it blows my mind, too. My, (laughs) you know, my entire life has completely changed because of Origami Yoda. And and sometimes it's hard to believe it's only been 10 years. Yeah. I, and sometimes it's hard for me to remember the time before Origami Yoda. <laughs> uh, um, because, you know, even I'm trying to, rem- you know, what year was it for me when I found out Origami Yoda would be published? And that was probably like 2008, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I, ju- I remember I got that news right around the same time I got the news that my first book was being remaindered. Oh, <laughs> and so it's like that. You know, it could have been, it could have been uh, this incredibly depressing time. Yeah. But instead, it was like, you know, <laughs> we're moving forward. <laughs> going to make this happen. You know. So, uh, but yeah, it has been an amazing experience. But- Absolutely amazing, and I'm still. Every day, still getting origami from kids. Oh, I'll bet. Oh. You know, I don't know if you saw the website really passed 
I recently passed something like 20,000 posts. Holy moly. I mean, I, it's probably possibly the biggest collection of origami ever. That is amazing. That is amazing. A great chunk of it is Star Wars themed, but of course the kids ended up making whatever they were in the mood to make, yeah. uh, you know, and um, yeah, it's in, absolutely incredible. The super folders, I call them, that has been a life-changing experience. Just being part of their creativity mm-hmm. has just been amazing. Yeah, I've yeah. I've seen you do a couple like school events or, or events at Comic Cons with a bunch of kids, and the enthusiasm they show for not only making the origami but then showing it off to absolutely anybody who will look at it is so infectious. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love that, and kind of I'm trying to figure out how to say this without getting myself in trouble. The prospect of possibly. Uh, some new enthusiasm to that yeah. part of my career. You, you, you teased something that would be coming, and I know you can't talk about it, but um, is it? can you at least hint that is it going to be an original story or some other way to celebrate the 10th anniversary? I'm not sure if I can say that. The one thing <laughs> I'm always careful to tell people is that the story of Dwight and Harvey has concluded. Okay. So anybody that thinks we're going to find out what Dwight does a week later, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, I just said never, and then I had to take that back. Right now, I have no plans to tell you what Dwight does next. Okay. Uh, to me, that story concluded. But, boy, wouldn't it be exciting to have some new thing out there? That would be really exciting. That would be exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, about a year ago my son went on this tear of making Han Foldos and he probably made 200 of them. Like he just took a whole, like a whole ream of printer paper and just made Han Foldo after Han Foldo. That's a lot of Han Foldos. It's a lot of Han Foldos. (laughs) And I recently just opened up like the bottom drawer in his desk and they're all shoved in there. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, Sam, can we get rid of these? He's like, no, those are my Han Foldos. He's keeping them. I don't know what he's keeping them for. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so can't say anything about uh, Origami Yoda. Something is coming we can all be excited about. Um, but you also tease that you're going to be working on three different graphic novels. That's right. The, the thing is, that was my dream when I was... In high, like in high school and even college, I wanted to do. I wanted to be making comic books, and you know, first I became a reporter for a long time, and then I became a mid-grade novel writer for a long time. And I think it, I may be changing again, and uh, I'm finally getting these opportunities to to make graphic novels, and it's sort of like. The dream I had sort of put on a shelf, I, I've got that chance now. I'm so, I, I know you can't talk about it, but I'm just dying to know what they are. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you said in that post that I keep referencing, you said that it's characters we know. So these are not original stories. Or not original, like, creator-owned properties. These are, these are existing franchises, IPs, that you are getting to play around with. Yes. It, it's, uh, <laughs> some of them are, yes. Okay. Yes. And, and that is, you know, the what you say play around with, uh-huh. that is 100% what what I do. I'm just playing and and I get to play. It's so much fun. <laughs> I, I, I tell kids it's like playing with somebody else's toys because they're new and fun. And if they get broken, that's not really a problem. <laughs> just give them right back. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess this all makes up for the lack of a third Rocket and Groot, right? I got to tell you, every once in a while, I run across the outline. Uh, I got into thing with Rocket and Groot of making illustrated outlines. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, what might have been? It would have been magnificent. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe after Endgame. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll yeah. let you go back. Because they are going to make a third one, maybe. I don't really know. But you never know. 
They they might re reassess their uh, their interest in that book. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I got to tell you, the time I, the amount of time I got to play with uh, Rockin' and Groot, well, that was a fun, fun time. Yeah. They are, they are so much fun to play with. You have one of the best jobs I could probably ever even dream of. It is. I I cannot complain. It is crazy. It's crazy. I, you know, a lot of times I just think about how crazy it all is. And it is, I, I don't always know why I've been given this chance, but I try to run with it. Yeah. Well, the next time you get invited to play in that Star Wars sandbox, um, it's spelled I-T-C-H-Y, itchy. So just make, <laughs> make sure you get them in there. <laughs> so that's your vote if I get to write another book. You want itchy. How about you, Meg? Who, who um... would you I would actually probably love to see you do something on Endor with the Ewoks. Yes. I I am like number one Ewok fan, so I I would love to see that. Have you read my Return of the Jedi? I haven't. I haven't. The only novelizations I've read have been like Rogue One. Oh, well, if you don't, if you have a chance, because (laughs) the purpose of that book was to get people to respect the Ewoks. Yes. yes. Okay, great. <laughs> no, all three yeah. of those adaptations are amazing. But yeah, if you're an Ewok fan, you need to read his book. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I am really proud. I am really proud of what I what I wrote about the Ewoks. Oh. And I don't know that I've changed the world's opinion about Ewoks. But, <laughs> but you, you, you're putting in the good fight. So that's that's all we can ask. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can you can cut this out later if we don't want to get an Ewoks. But to me, <laughs> when anybody that complains, and the same, it's a very similar thing for Admiral Holdo. Mm-hmm. People don't like Admiral Holdo. They're missing the point. The point is that the Emperor underestimated the yep. Ewoks, just like the Emperor underestimated Luke Skywalker. Yep. If the Ewoks had been Wookiees, the Empire would have enslaved them like they did with the Wookiees. But they were like cute little rodents. And the emperor was like, nah, don't worry about them. And that was his downfall. Yeah, they, they were wrong. Cute. And then when when the, when uh, Leia meets Wicket, if he hadn't been cute, she would have shot him. Yeah. Or if she hadn't been cute, he would have attacked her. Yeah. It's true. Because she's dressed, you know, she's like, Falling off one of these biker scout bikes, they they should have seen each other as enemies, but they didn't. They understood each other and cuteness. Wicked's cute. So, so where did, where did Leia? But where did Leia's dress come from at at the bonfire? Was that from the last person who stumbled through and just wasn't as cute? <laughs> no, they actually um they made it for her. It was in mm. one of like the Forces of Destiny shorts. Mm. You say they made Trying it. Trying to keep it. up. <laughs> I am an avowed Ewok lover. I have never understood the hate. I don't I don't see what problem anybody could possibly have with them. They are cute little teddy bears that will whoop your butt if you get on the wrong side. Absolutely. And they eat they eat stormtroopers. I mean, yes. what's not to love? Yeah, so and they use all of the products that are there like, okay, we're going to eat the stormtroopers, we're going to use their armor, make some drums, yeah. like very environmental. <laughs> They're resourceful. Yes. I love it. <laughs> no, this is this is totally staying in by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, this has been amazing as always. You guys are fun to talk to. Um it's interesting. I have never really had a deep dive with anybody about this book. Really? No. This, you know, this is I, one of the first times I've ever really talked about it. I feel like this book slipped off the radar way too quickly. I feel like it not did. enough people talked about this book. Uh, and it's it's really a shame because, as I agree with Meg, I mean, it's one of the best books. You know, reader, reader audience age group whatever be damned i think it is just one of the most fun stories that has been told in the star wars universe in recent memory and it's a total shame that people have missed it Uh, that is very nice of you to say that's very kind yeah and that's how i got on twitter yelling how can i talk about this book with someone (laughs) here we go because i know a guy
This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. Take care.